0: Welcome in to the Just Basketball show for Monday, October 23rd, the Monday before the NBA season officially kicks off. Very, very fun times here in the world of professional men's basketball. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan clean. Please follow us in your podcast app of choice and give us those five star reviews. If you have not already, please hit subscribe on the just basketball fans, YouTube channel. And I want to remind you about our friends at homage. Homage is the ultra comfortable specialty apparel company with NBA and WNBA licenses. They use vintage inspired designs to pay homage, to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports music and pop culture. Use the link below to make your purchase and support the Just Basketball Show. Later in the show today, we are going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Denver Nuggets as our season preview series rolls along. We're going to be wrapping those up here in short order with a couple more to come later this week. Finally. Including, might I add. Finally. It's been a grind, Brendan, but we made it. We love all the local
1: fans. We love getting a deep dive on every team, but man, am I ready to actually watch games
0: and stop speculating about who might be good. Yes. We're also going to talk about three big WNBA free agents who are going to shape the offseason, including one who whose teammates recently were pretty aggressively, dare I say, making the case for her to come back publicly which is always a sign that like you know you got some work to do i would say but we're going to start with two bits of nba news first up steven adams is out for the season he has a pcl injury the team has announced and he's done and brendan if you're looking at the memphis and we just did their season preview and i think we 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 kind of talked around steven adams a little bit but i think this is a very important piece for this team this is a piece that they don't have a great they don't have an in-house option that I would really trust right now to replace what Adams gives them. I think they desperately need a big right now. And you compound this on top of John Morant out. And I think that the Grizzlies are starting from a position of weakness and a position of discomfort at the very least as this NBA season begins. I think I said when we did the preview, as we
1: talked through the worst case scenario, which we do at the end of each one, I kind of boiled it down to a worst-case scenario for Memphis could be that they realize how important Stephen Adams really is and that could have gone in two different directions if he didn't maintain his health and they suffered as a result that starts to be A little bit discomforting if you're a Memphis fan because he's like the fifth best player on the team at his peak or he's really good and really helps and that in its own way makes you feel like okay well is Jaron Jackson gonna really ever hit that peak of Peaks and now none of that's really on the table and so They're going to find out just how important he was. They're going to figure out how, I guess, really much Jaron Jackson can can fill that void. I mean, I don't really know where else they're going to look, to your point, because I think Xavier Tillman acquitted himself pretty well in the playoffs. I think he's better than we thought. I think he's going to play a role. He'll he'll have to play a role. But Brandon Clark, we talked about this, too. He elected to have another cleanup on the Achilles after the initial tear about a year ago almost now and i'm looking at an article in the memphis commercial appeal where the gm of the team said quote if brandon is able to get back at some point this season that will be great but we're not going to rush it so with how they play and how much they clearly missed adams when he was out last year this is pretty bad Like, you don't want to overreact before you even see how a team adjusts, but we kind of have already seen this and the results speak for themselves that they are just a worse team, a different identity team when he's not out there. And now they're going to face an entire additional season without him. And that's that's awful for a team that had plenty of issues before they heard anything about Steven Adams.
0: I think that's all accurate. I think this this is going to change the way they play. It has to. Steven Adams is, without being someone who needs the ball a lot, who has a high usage rate, who scores a lot even, gives you structure because of the way he screens, because of the way he plays physically, because of the way... He attacks the glass. like, And he also allows Jaron Jackson to do different things on the defensive end, right? Like, Jaron Jackson can roam a little bit more. He doesn't have to just be concerned with protecting the rim in a more traditional way. He doesn't even have to worry about rebounds in the same way because Steven Adams is going to box dudes out and grab his own rebounds. I mean, I mean to be I fair, think... does he? Even when he, when he has to, does he worry about rebounds, Jaron? No. No, not really. But, like, now he kind of, like, really has to. And, like, does Memphis... Just say, F it. Jaron's going to play the five to start. We're not going to start Tillman. We're going to change the way we play and put another, you know, just put another body on the floor. Do they start Tillman? Do they go get a a Gorgie Dieng? Do they go get a Bismack Biombo right now just to make light, to make do with what's going on here, right? I think that's kind of the, I mean, those aren't great options, but like when it's October 22nd, we're recording this, the season starts shortly. They play their first game on Wednesday, what else? What you don't have other options unless you're going to go make a trade, which is not something you really want to do. When like I don't think like a making a trade a big trade for a center would like make any sense for them. They need to just find another body to make all of this work, and you see where it goes. What would you do as far as the starting lineup? So their options
1: are obviously Xavier Tillman, who we've talked about or Jaron Jackson at center. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. Uh, But the ripple effects beyond that, you know, could Kenneth Lofton Jr. be an option? It sort of seems like he may have to. The problem is they don't even have a lot of big forwards. They don't even have a lot of guys where you would say, it's Kenneth Kenneth Lofton Jr.
0: It it is
1: Kenneth Lofton Jr. o'clock. Not really, but like maybe. But I mean, he's going to have to play, I would guess. Like they have Isaiah Todd who they got uh, originally part of the Beal trade and and they snapped him up, so maybe they think he can play. I kind of don't. Um, He's never really been an effective basketball player. Very, very young still. It feels like it is... I, I would probably just start Tillman and say, Jaron will sort of be our backup five and we're just going to have to get really aggressive with how we stagger things. I think somebody like, you know, uh, Zaire Williams or David Roddy, the two guys we already kind of had penciled in who project as a little bit of upside athletic forwards, probably step up. Um, But yeah, it is, uh, it's pretty bad. I I just want to go through numbers quickly. The the Grizzlies were 10 points better per hundred possessions with him on versus off last year. In 2021-22, which was probably their best season as a team his first year as a Grizzly their half-court offense was four points better per 100 possessions with him on the court. And yeah, some of that was offensive rebounding, but he's really grown as a dribble handoff player and as a kind of elbow hub as a passer too. Not like he's demonte Sabonis or Nikola Jokic out there, but just knows where the reads are, knows how to set guys up with his body and, and, and deliver the pass to whoever needs it. Um, they're going to miss him in a variety of ways. I think we think of, of Adams as a dude who is just sort of standing around the basket and roughing guys up almost like a a backup caliber player but no he is he's the real deal his contract goes uh, let's see why am so I not one seeing more his name here? I think it's one more year after this. Yep. For $13 million. So I agree they probably shouldn't make a trade for some sort of superstar center. I mean, I don't even know who that would be, but it would not surprise me with just how much is kind of riding on this year and this window if they did make some sort of move. And maybe Adams gets sent out as part of that. That just kind of has to be the reality. The guy's 30 years old. He now has, uh, he's going to have missed 18 months plus by the time we would see him back on a basketball court. Are you really going to ride with him as your, kind of center of the future. I, I I doubt that. I don't think you can do that and feel comfortable with the rest of the talent and the rest of the
0: championship pedigree you're trying to move forward with. So to answer your original question just to get that quickly and make sure we close that loop. I think you start Tillman for schematic simplicity and schematic continuity. Play the way you have. Don't try to mess with things too much. You have a lot riding. Let's just get it going. Secondly, the 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 name that I would call the team that I would call immediately and be like, we have two injured centers. Can we get your one who has injury issues, but you aren't paying as much as the guy you got from Phoenix? I would be calling Portland about Robert Williams. Sure. Good. Contract. I have a deeper cut.
1: That's obnoxious. Uh-huh. Oh, you keep going. No, make the case for Look, Robert Williams because that's much more sexy and fun and and
0: likely. I have a stupid one after you're done. We we, we certainly injury concerns, but we he's young. Pretty good contract. We understand the upside. We understand what you could do with him. Him and Jaron together is a defensive nightmare for opposing teams trying to get inside. That is just like an absolute nightmare for opposing teams. It's great cover for for Bain for Ja. I'm sure. I mean, and honestly, like if anyone knows how to relate to Robert Williams and make it feel acclimated, it's probably Marcus Smart because they were together in Boston. I and like honestly, like Robert Williams is. I can understand if Portland wants to just like hold on for the best deal possible. But if Memphis calls with a first, some seconds in one of those contracts and like one of their like fringy, young, interesting guys like, hey, do you want Vince Williams? Great. You can have him. That deal to me would make sense and feels like appropriate value for Robert Williams, considering the injury history has limited him in so many ways.
1: Yeah, so they have their all their own picks. They have some funky swap stuff with Phoenix and Washington with uh, the, the Isaiah Todd thing I was just referencing a minute ago. So they have the the ammunition to go get somebody that good if they want, or obviously we've talked still, and, and I would expect them to continue to pursue these options as far as wings go. OG and, and OB, Mikhail Bridges, we know they were interested in. Uh, so everything's on the table. I think the Robert Williams thing is a good shout. I was just going to say, I just have had it in the back of my mind all off season. Seems like teams do this every year. Obviously they got hit with the injury bug in terms of the Grizzlies, but kind of forget about centers and then have to remind themselves that they're important. And then we see like a push around the uh, trade deadline or the buyout deadline to go get one. I think Jericho Sims from the Knicks is a really good... like he played a lot last year and if you look at his stats he's like freakishly athletic he broke combine records in terms of like leaping ability and all that stuff and I thought played well on a good team last year he's buried behind Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein so he's always somebody that comes to mind for me when I'm thinking about young cheap center who a desperate team should maybe try to go get but uh, speaking of centers on young teams we could probably hit this Zach Collins thing pretty quickly I think Chris but Mm -hmm. he got extended for two years 35 million dollars It just kind of caught my attention. Obviously, it's just an extension. There's only so many of those that happen this time of year before the deadline of opening night. He was under contract for $7.7 million this upcoming season, which was already seen as a pretty big payday for a guy when he first signed that deal. And we didn't know if his NBA career was ever going to get back on track. He has played pretty well for them, for San Antonio, and now is doubling his salary plus some again. And they don't have a lot on the books like I'm looking now as of right now they have uh, like 60 million in cap space next year if they were to get rid of the likes of like Doug McDermott and Reggie Bullock and Chetty Osmond and all the cap holds that they're gonna have so like they they're fine to spend their money they just gave Devin Vassell his extension but I'm just pretty fascinated on how they spend their money and how they kind of lock guys into place especially before we've even seen what Zach Collins looks like as that five-man next to Wembenyama outside of preseason
0: yeah I think the other part of it is that this is a shorter term contract so in theory this is flippable this isn't a four-year extension this is two years in salary matching if it comes to like if he plays well and another team wants him you could flip him if it doesn't work and but he plays okay but the Wemby thing is an imperfect fit the Vic thing is an imperfect fit Correcting myself you can then do something and, and flip it right like that That to me is kind of baked into this kind of contract it's it's like when teams like re-sign their own guys on like two year contracts and it's like okay we, we, we do like you enough to pay you but you're also the guy we need to sure. trade so we don't want to give you four years and a bunch of money that makes it harder to trade you I think that's
1: D'Angelo Russell. It's Karis Levert. It's that type of thing. Yeah. And that's true. And they have uh, a Graham on a similar type of contract that they could eventually uh, deal in a move. Like even Keldon Johnson, who they already extended is kind of on that type of contract, if we're being honest. So it's not going to kill them, but
0: it's pretty fascinating to see them do it earlier than they needed to. Real quick, just on the D'Angelo Russell thing, because we haven't hit on this and I just feel like we need to hit this for the record. Got to tell you, I don't know if it's actually possible, but him shouting out Derek White is like his role model and like who he wants to be like is just really good PR work from D'Angelo Russell.
1: I've always... I Actually, this is funny. I, I don't know what made me do this. I think I was watching a Lakers preseason game or seeing those quotes and went back and looked. I wrote an article for Fansided when the first breakout year, that kind of half season when Russell really broke out with the Nets when the year they made the playoffs and lost to the Sixers before KD and Kyrie came. And I don't really know if D'Angelo Russell is actually as I, I think it's a I think it's an ability thing as far as like yes, he he has some some lapses defensively, but put some respect on D'Angelo Russell's name. He's pretty self-aware, and that goes a long way. Like, we think of him as yes. just a stupid chucker who doesn't know what he's doing as a basketball player, and it's like, yeah, maybe he's not the winningest of winning offensive and defensive two-way players in the in the NBA, but it's gone too far. We gotta, we gotta put some love on his name. He's, he's totally fine to go out there, play 25 minutes, do his thing, and praise Derek White on the way out. And look, he's uh, much more famous than Derek White for some reason anyway, and... Everybody well, knows who D'Angelo Russell is. No one knows who Derek White is outside of NBA fans. Well, it's so the, it's, the, who's it's winning? the
0: ice in the it's the ice in the vein thing. It's the whole like time he'd like uh, expose Nick Young's uh, off court activities. Mm-hmm. And then he made a commercial tattoo. He, yeah. When he threw well then he made the commercial that was self-aware about what he did with Nick Young, where he threw his phone like out of the window. Mm-hmm. You remember that? I do. So okay, yeah, he's he's
1: he's had his ups and downs. He he is a he is an interesting personality to have. I just think as a player, we can clown the Derek White thing, or we can be like, "All right, man, like I get you. You know what? You know where you are." No,
0: I don't even mean to clown it. I'm kind of like shouting it out as like, yeah. But because it it sounds kind of absurd, because he's not going to become one of the best defensive guards in the league. But it's like I kind of understand what he's getting at when he says that. I also just like there's so many guys like him who sit there
1: and they're like, yeah, you know, I just kind of see myself as like the next Isaiah Thomas. So I'm really just headed there. You know, it's like, no, you're not. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I just appreciate it. We're on the same page. We agree that he's. It's a. It's a self aware thing to say. I just.
0: Got to gotta put some respect on my man's name. Um, okay. Any more thoughts on I, the Zach that, Collins thing? No, th- this is an entirely inoffensive contract extension, and I understand the business even if it's projecting a little bit. But this is all about Victor Wembanyama. This is all about feeling like you're supporting him the best way possible. And I think just saying, okay, at least we have a big body to play next to him so he doesn't have to eat center minutes, in, even if we don't know if it's the perfect, perfect fit. Mm-hmm. I don't really hate that. It's just as you're starting out here it's entirely i just offensive. want them to add
1: a little bit more size with the other players that they bring in because it's these like charles Bassey, uh sandro Mamushkavili guys where it's like you're six nine and like 260 and i don't know what your purpose is and i actually want more zach Collins's. so maybe i don't hate it as much as i thought i did it's just the other options i I want a little more variety but no not not insulting not not anything And, and salute to him he was on the brink of having to say goodbye to the nba and now he's back in our lives and making a big bag so can't complain
0: there were you were you there at summer league the year we were both there when he came through on a scooter I was not. I was at his Final Four game when he fouled out. That
1: That game was in Phoenix, the national championship for Gonzago, which was like the worst basketball game ever played, and he fouled out in like 18 minutes. That's my yeah, Zach Collins classic. memory. I don't have a scooter memory.
0: Yeah, we were – I was with uh, some of the Dime guys. Shout out to Bill and Robbie and Martin um, and Jordan Zerm was there. I think Brad Roland was there drinking a chai tea at like 10 o'clock at night or whenever we were there. Nice. Because Brad doesn't you – know, just Brad just always caffeinated. And Zach Collins, who was in a boot at that time, and he came through in one of those, like, scooters you get when you're in a boot, so mm-hmm. you can, like, wheel around. And I was like... Like hey, what Zach Chelsea Collins. Gray was doing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly that.
1: This was 2021, right. for anybody listening and wondering. This was not recent. That's why he was in no. the boot. We're not we're not reporting yeah. uh, some sort of
0: injury or anything. No, this was a couple years ago. All right. WNBA, speaking of people who lost to Chelsea Gray's the Las Vegas Aces... Jockwell Jones, Brennan, I think we have to start with our big free agents because the full-court press that her teammates threw at her, Laney, her coach, Sandy Brandello, Sabrina, everybody, was like, we kind of need her back. And it didn't seem like, to me, she's not coming back and how she talked about it, and she is going to go play in China as well. It just seemed like she is... I, I would wonder if this is a little bit like you're You're past the haze of the finals. You lost second straight year to the Aces. You're just a little frustrated, and you just want to take some time. But if she wants to compete for a title next year and still make pretty good money, there's no other place that makes sense for her other than the New York Liberty. But it seems like there's going to need to be some stuff figured out there based on what was said.
1: It's always tough in the WNBA, right? Because... There's a hard cap and there's only 12 teams. So at any given moment, how many of them are really title contenders? And if you're talking about leaving the team you're currently on, then that removes one of the teams that you might think of as a title contender in your pool of, of options to, to sign with. The Connecticut Sun is the team she just played for and probably wouldn't go back there. So, you know, not to be so reductive about it, but it's like, there's only so many options, uh, it just period, let alone how many of them are actually going to win, like you said. So, like, just considering it that way, Very in a vacuum. I don't think it would make sense for her to leave you and I had touched on You know when the regular season ended and different extensions that happened along the way of like, okay, who's Who's still available? What players might move and we're gonna talk about our three biggest free agents left as of now and I Never thought she was on the table. I just I wouldn't have even put her on this list honestly until some of these comments But the fact that it wasn't a sure thing to me did raise my eyebrows. Now, Brianna Stewart is getting cored, which is like the franchise tag in the NFL, basically. And Courtney VanderSloot has actually signed a two-year deal and then Sabrina Ionescu got an extension in the season. So, everybody's coming back except her. You would've thought it would've just been, yeah, I'll be here. And so, just the fact that it wasn't that, I think is the reason we're talking about it and, and makes it worth talking about she said one that she actually had to do her media stuff before she actually met with the executives of the team and she said that was a little awkward for her so like okay you know give her some space I get that Um, she said I'm definitely trending toward coming back here she said she's still trying to process everything it's been an amazing season she just has to go from there and then she said that she thinks that they could win a championship if she were to come back, and that that obviously factors into whether she would want to. Um, I tend to agree that she's coming back. I, I think maybe the place I'm more interested in is, something's off about this, this team. Because mm-hmm. there's the whole blow-up with Kelsey Plum and the back-and-forth on social media, which probably isn't worth going into because it turned into a bunch of media nonsense.
0: Well, but, I, I, when Ke- when Kelsey Plum pulled out the, the media twist of my words card, it's that's code for you fucked up. That's, code, that's athlete code for I fucked up and I don't want to take responsibility if I'm being honest. If we're being entirely blunt about it. Yeah. Ask Calvin Booth, right? You saw that too, I'm
1: assuming. Yes. That he yes. gave some quotes to Kevin O'Connor and then pulled the, well, that wasn't on the record card. It's like... Okay. All right, Calvin. So all the stuff that was positive was on the record, all the stuff that was negative wasn't on the record, sure. And Kelsey Plum basically did the same thing. But um, beyond that, you also had like Alicia Clark and Sydney Colson on Twitter and in media uh, interviews and stuff, just alluding to something that they seemed to pick up on about the Liberty that wasn't quite out there in terms of a a little bit of like a cutthroatness and maybe some tension within the team that spilled over into their their battles. And I don't know, I I don't know if you have any like, guesses or thoughts or view or or vibe checks on on what's going on in New York, but it just feels like the kind of thing where a month ago I would have felt like, everybody's coming back, whether they win the championship or not, we're gonna see what they do in year two together and they'll be among the favorites to win it. And then just like the past week made me kind of step back and go, Could something surprising happen here that turns this on its head a little bit? And obviously, JJ being the only one not under contract next year makes her the logical candidate to look at.
0: I think the answer is yes, but it's just it feels wrong to speculate about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this is a group that's been together for a year. I thought they were pretty vehemently. They came out hard against what Kelsey Plum said. The aces, as, a co- as like if we're also comparing them to the aces, that aces group, the core of that group also just feels so locked in step with each other that I think is rare in sports, period. Like, it is yeah. very rare that you get teams that are that dialed in with one another and that well just as a unit. Like, even the best teams, that's very rare. You know, dysfunction is often more common among these really great teams regardless of sport than it is you're in full unison and everyone gets along and it's kumbaya, right? I mean, Kobe and Shaq Ward. LeBron during a second Cleveland tenure was like, it it was often very tense and stressful and Kyrie wasn't talking to people. Like the Nuggets being on the same page and the Aces being where they are, those things are not common. So like strife is not uncommon. I guess it's just, it's hard to know without, frankly, just like, the kind of reporting you might get if there was more media coverage from bigger outlets that have the reach and the what not to do it. It's hard to know. It's feels speculative to just guess at it. But when John Jones opens the door a little bit, that's interesting. And this is someone who is 29, who's not like on the back night of her career by any means, but it's kind of like it's, it's go time for winning titles and maximizing your peak. It's kind of right now for her. And this, there's not an opportunity she could walk into tomorrow. I don't think that would give her the best chance than just running it back with the Liberty. So there's just a lot. There's just there's noise, and noise usually like when there's smoke, there's fire. And this feels like there's some smoke. And this also just also just ownership wise, based on how Joe has run the Nets and how that has gone, it wouldn't shock me if there's something bold with the ownership, like and going for it in a really aggressive way. That that's kind of where my brain goes with this. Sure.
1: I agree. It's speculative. I agree that they kind of opened the door for that speculation with their comments. This just would have been an easy thing, considering they had 48 hours before they even needed to talk to media. They got fined for not talking to media to give themselves that space. They could have just all come out in unison and been very forceful of like, this was an incredible season. It's been an awesome experience to try to win a championship with this this group. These things take time. We got further than we expected in year one we'll be back next year and we expect to win it all. You know, that that like if I was a if I was team PR for the Liberty, I would have gotten them all in a group and said that to them. That's our message. And none of them really did that. You know what I mean? None of them really came out and said like nipping it in the bud, this is over. Everybody's coming back and and that's what it is. So, that's why it leaves itself open. She is, you know, A max player she was a all w caliber talent the last half of the year she was the story her turnaround was the story i also want to give you know some space to the fact that she was pretty open about there were she said there were times she didn't really want to go play basketball this year and was dealing with stuff off the court i'm sure that's factoring into
0: where she wants to play basketball this year well uh, That also made me surprised she was going to go to China, which might just be a money thing and earning a bunch of money thing. But there's also just like, like, I I don't know. I I don't think I don't know if you're our producer, Dylan, will listen to this and him and I may need to just talk about this. But like Saturday in Abu Dhabi, Alexander Wolkanovsky fought Islam Akachev for a UFC title. He lost and he gave. But he was. He fought three months ago, and he was talking about how, like, there's, like, a dark... He was like, I had to, I needed to get active again and take this fight on 12 days' notice because, like, there's this darkness, and it's like, I just... This gives me clarity. This gives me focus. And sometimes I it feels like when some of that stuff's going on, the comfort, even if it's hard, is for these athletes to go play and do all of that stuff. Whereas, like, in, in some ways, maybe it's better for Jonquil Jones just to, like, take a little bit of time and, like, not play this summer. Mm-hmm winter but, yeah yes but i i don't know like we don't know and that's not fair for us i also just want to say like for the record and i think i'm speaking for you in this i understand from a like a optics perspective i like understand why they wouldn't want to get all this out there on the other hand as media people as journalists ostensibly I don't ever want these teams to have filters or worry about optics. I want them just to (laughs) say it how it is. It's better all this stuff
1: coming out is better in the grand scheme of things Uh, a lot of the time the WNBA season ends and Nobody cares anymore Um, This this at least prolongs it for a little bit free agency will have another pop and then we'll see what happens from there Speaking of let's talk about two others quickly. We had uh, we have Brittany Griner is a free agent this year Obviously had an up-and-down season understandably physically continuing to get right after being detained for almost a year We know the story there Uh, It just goes a little bit alongside Diana Taurasi has one year left on her contract, Chris. They just hired a new, uh, new head coach, a questionable hire just in terms of his experience in the women's basketball game and other qualified, more connected, more ideal candidates making themselves likely available, whether that's college coaches, former and current WNBA coaches, et cetera, et cetera, assistants. They went with Nate Tibbetts, who is a longtime NBA guy. This will likely be Diana's last year. Griner, I would assume will sign a one year contract. So I do think she will be back. And then this piggybacks into our last big free agent of the WNBA offseason, which is Skylar Diggins-Smith, who technically is still uh, you know, listed under the Phoenix Mercury if you were to go to a roster page, but is very clearly on her way out and did not play this past season and had a falling out with the franchise over access to practice facilities and, and all sorts of other nonsense. So I just bring it up to say that this is a big year for the Mercury because I think they wanna win, but they continue to be kind of tied to the past You mentioned it with Joe Tsai in terms of making a big splash. That's very hard to do in the WNBA because there is a hard Mm -hmm. cap and there's only so many access, so much access to talent that you can really uh, finagle. So it's, it's just an inflection point and how Brittany Griner finishes out her career and what she wants and whether it's with Phoenix or not and all these other things is a big story in the league considering her place in it. Also,
0: Nate Tibbetts is a girl dad. I just want to make sure we, we have that for the record. Girl dad. What's hilarious about that, Chris, is it got a lot of jokes and
1: maybe worse off it's ridi- uh, it, among people. Yeah. 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 It's a it's ridiculous, ridiculous tweet. Yeah. It's a ridiculous. Well, and it's not just a tweet. It was like all over everything. It was like in oh, the press release the and tweet. all these other things. I only, you know? I, I, it didn't say I, girl dad and all the other things, but it emphasized that he was a father of twins, you know? His dad is like a legendary women's basketball coach yeah and I literally didn't know that until like a few days after the hire because they went so out of their way to emphasize that he happened to have like girl children which doesn't matter rather than the fact that he actually did grow up around the game and had a a connection directly within his family to the the sport it it was goofy Um,
0: do you want to move on to Skylar and where she goes yeah, I this this to me, if we're really... We kind of maybe buried the lead on this because I just don't ultimately think Jonquil Jones goes elsewhere uh, or stays where she is, excuse me. Pretty Griner's probably like going to stay one more year and we'll see where that goes. Skylar Diggins-Smith is absolutely dipping out of the state of Arizona and going to play for another team. And where she ends up i think could help create a third team that we think could win the title next year but it, it could depend and the team that i almost wanted would wander see her go to from a pure basketball fit the dallas wings is like just kind of not on the table because of her previous stops there and that not being great so yeah yeah i don't if she doesn't like the mercury she likes
1: the wings even less i think to me it's three teams that she could go to skylar i think it's the atlanta dream Okay. who have drafted multiple point guard, theoretical kind of lead guard options, but none of them have really clicked. I think that it's the Connecticut Sun, who obviously were a semifinalist this year, and they got great seasons from Natisha Heideman and Dijanae Carrington, but neither one of them feel like no-doubt starters to me. And then I would say the last one is the Washington Mystics, who have natasha cloud but she is a free agent as well if they want to take a step forward offensively and stop relying so much on elena deladon who is also a free agent it feels like adding somebody like Skylar would would go a long way for them, too. And she brings enough defensive tenacity that I think she could fit into their identity without having to sacrifice the defense, but would upgrade their offense quite a bit. They just don't have enough offense. And so they've been a team that's that's prioritized running it back in continuity and all that stuff in their defensive first identity. But I just don't see it getting them where they need to go based on the losses that they've suffered over the years. So I think Skylar would be a big win there. Out of those three, who are all pretty well-known teams who we watched a lot of this year, which of those three do you think makes the most sense? Where do you want to see her land?
0: I think it's the Mystics. I, I think that's a really well-run organization. I think giving Elena Deladon, if she ultimately returns and and can be healthy, giving her like another a real player, a real point guard to kind of carry some things with would be a big deal. I think that's a team that, if things break right, could absolutely give us another contender. The Sun would be the the second choice for me, I think, just in terms of where they are in the pecking order. But I my my gut tells me Mystics. What about you? I'll go Atlanta. I think market matters to
1: her. Uh, I think you know she's from Indiana, so it's not as if she home is probably not going to be an option for her. Uh, I don't think. She's well, gonna like I to mean, like, fever, the,
0: but I mean the fever, like, but like here, can I can I just make a quick case for the fever?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Rookie of the year who's like gonna be an all star next year, I would I would bet. Other some other good players that we like. Kelsey Mitchell's there to be kind of a scoring guard. If you wanted to go home, now would probably be the best time to do it with the fever as if you're gonna help them maybe take a big step forward and you would get to be kind of the cultural tone setter for that team.
1: I think that they will be better next year. They still have Erica Wheeler under contract too, who is basically a point guard and Obviously, we expect them to take a guard in the lottery next year, one of which might be Caitlin Clark. So, or Paige Becker. Like, or Paige, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is why I've kind of discounted them. But if she were to end up in Atlanta, I think that that is another market where she could succeed. I mean, she is still very, very prominent in the kind of sneaker and, and clothing stuff that she does for Puma. And... Probably wants to maintain her relevance she did media here in Phoenix I could see her picking that back up I thought she was very good at it so all those things you don't want to go somewhere and kind of be forgotten you know so I I think Atlanta could be a a good place for her Connecticut is
0: just not players don't near ESPN near ESPN go to Bristol but yeah I
1: think it'll I, I would say Atlanta or Washington I think we're on the right I think you went. your are picture are on the well, right she track. She does. She
0: does. She has done Turner stuff if I'm remembering correctly,
1: right? I'm not sure if she's. She, she may have done women's stuff in other places. The only media I, I've ever watched her do is just for the Suns local broadcast. That's what I, I was might. I might be. I could
0: be hallucinating that, but I mean, Turner would. Turner is based in Atlanta. If she wanted to mm-hmm. do NBA stuff, yeah. And I yeah, just think if you Atlanta run, is like right there, yeah. ready to take a leap,
1: you know, and they just yeah. so much so often they coughed up close games. They did not have organization in their half court offense. I could see somebody like Ryan Howard being hugely benefited by having a real initiator to set her up with the off-screen stuff that she does it just feels like that turnkey fit for Skylar there would would really go a long way so that's what I'm rooting for I think Washington's a good one too
0: maybe Connecticut a a close third but um we'll see what happens yes all right let's move on season preview time the Milwaukee Bucks Brendan I'm gonna tell you right now that the, the two teams I think are going to make the finals right now, if I had to pick, are the two teams that we're going to talk about today. And that's Milwaukee and Denver. Mm. If you're new to these season previews, we go most important player, uh, player we'll be talking about at the end of the season, best lineup, best case, worst case, and over under. Brandon, most important player for for the Milwaukee Bucks was a very easy answer. It's Chris Middleton. Mm, Chris Middleton. Okay. We have Chris a different Middleton, one. So Dame, and Dame could be a layup here. Brooke Lopez could be a layup here. I think you... Did you pick Dame? I picked Dame. But we'll okay. get to it. Chris Middleton... I just think... I, I. Here's my logic. We know what we're getting with Dame. You know what you're getting with Giannis. You know how good that pick and roll is going to be. For this team to be the best version of itself and to be able to defend some of these big wings and have another score and have another ball handler... It kind of needs to be Chris Middleton being a be- a better version of himself because they-, they just need that to compete with Boston, to compete with these best teams in the league. He's had injury issues. I think there's some uncertainty now about how healthy he is coming into the season. He played their last preseason game, which was good to see. Which is a really, really big deal. But they're going to need him to be a big two-way wing who defends, who creates, who makes some tough shots in the half court. They're not winning the title unless Chris Middleton is is a really good version of himself this year.
1: Yeah, that last preseason game was pretty informational, let's say, because I don't.
0: To me, the defense is the biggest part of it. Yes, it's 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 absolutely because Drew. Okay, Drew Holiday was a could cover everywhere, and you could you didn't have to like ask Middleton necessarily to defend the best guy all the time. Now he kind of has to be that guy, I think, because Giannis is best in help. Giannis' is best as a wrecker. He may defend, and he likes to defend some of these Apex guys at times. But, but a lot of them are want- smaller than him, too, right? So it's like, yes. hey, Giannis, go guard Devin Booker. Like, no. No, it has to kind of be Middleton that's gonna do this and that's they need him to be around I think I think it's a great shout on your part yeah and and look
1: because so in that preseason game even and, and it's just preseason like and it's also early he's coming back from an injury I'm not trying to say this will be their plan from the jump but just to state where the starting point is for this team and is for Middleton they had for the most part um, Conaton. And then even Jay Crowder guarding the best defensive or the best offensive player on the opposing team. So, for instance, when Jay Crowder came into the game, they played Memphis. Mm -hmm. When Jay Crowder came into the game, they had Crowder guarding Desmond Bain. At the point of attack, initiating pick and roll. They're wild, having 30 wild. something year old Jay Crowder try to fight through screens with 25 year old, you know, slithery Desmond Bain trying to get to his pull up three or get to, you know, uh, a glass layup or, or all these different moves that we know Bain has. It, it's just, it, it's such an indication of how their defense is going to have to be a work in progress. When the game started, they had Middleton on Marcus Smart. They had Damian Lillard on Zaire Williams. And I believe that they must have had Malik Beasley on Desmond Bain. I didn't write this in my notes, but that's what I'm guessing was the initial setup. And then they just relied on Giannis and Brooke Lopez to, to be there, and they were. I mean, both of them, like, it's going to work. That's fine uh, in the regular season. But I think to your point, Middleton is going to have to be an option in the biggest moments one on one defensively, getting through screens, fighting through contact, not fouling, switching across multiple positions. Just ramping up his mobility in a way that we haven't seen him do in a very long time because he was fine offensively in that Miami series. I don't think anyone would say the defense was where it was as Jimmy Butler just ate Drew Holiday for dinner every night and Middleton wasn't there to provide another option to guard Jimmy. Uh, I think that's kind of all the evidence you need of of even where they were last year when they had Holiday. Now they
0: don't. Yeah, there's just, I think, so much riding on Chris Middleton to me. I, I, but I just, offensively, I, I kind of think he'll just be a shooter a lot of nights but I, in the regular but I, season. I think, yeah, but I, I but I look, Brennan, right No offense to the regular season, which I'm very excited for. This is about the playoffs of the Bucks. This is about a title. Yeah. You don't get Damian Lillard and be like, "Did you maximize December, Milwaukee Bucks?" No, I give a shit about April and May and getting to June. I don't give a shit about anything else. Mm-hmm. So Dame, what's your case for Dame? Yeah,
1: I think. Uh, one, let's just start with the, the huge positives, which again, that final preseason game, he finally looked like himself. He, he was a little uncomfortable, very visibly uncomfortable in the first couple that he played. But it was just a reminder of how much they've lacked burst offensively since they got rid of. And this is definitely not a high level offensive player, but Eric Bledsoe, you know, it kind of reminded me like why they got him once upon a time even though Lillard is significantly better than Eric Bledsoe. He just is able to separate himself from the lineup that he's out there with offensively, who's setting the screen, whether it's semi-transition or half court or whatever. Lillard's just able to beat his man off the bounce and get a bucket from wherever he wants to over and over and over. And it's just gonna make life so much easier. I I mean, we talked about it when the trade happened. I don't necessarily have the deepest, most analytical takes on this stuff. He just simplifies things. And that's kind of the point as far as the offense goes. And I think defensively, again, it is really a conversation between the regular season and playoffs. Because I think in the regular season, it's rare that you see teams really, really go at a weak link to the point where it's like you know leading NBA today the next day it's just not common because it gets mm-hmm. the offense out of its own rhythm even if it does exploit the weakness of the defense mm-hmm that said he is not far off from like Trey young or some of these guys John Morant. like his defense is pretty terrible and it's not just on ball it's also off ball he just it at his size and everything what even is the pathway to him making an impact on defense I don't think there is one I think it's just rolling with a negative so it's it's like one of the biggest pendulum swings of value on one end and taking away value on the other end and it's just going to
0: be fascinating to see how it looks all year the bet to me, I think Milwaukee is making with that, and I think you're right. Is that with Giannis and with Brook Lopez and with a scheme that pushes him in a certain way? And I think for the first time in his career, this is not Dame is the number one guy in a team. Like this is Giannis' team, this is Giannis' organization. <laughs> There's going to be a little bit of Dame. We just need, even if we know you're not going to impact things, can we get you positionally sound and contesting shots and and not just being unaware off ball? I think if you you can get that out of I think there should be every expectation to get that out of Dame. Where even if you don't think of him as a plus, there's at least some positional sensibility and positional competence that is an improvement over what he was in Portland. I think I think that should be an expectation. If I'm being honest, just putting him in this new situation and putting him in an environment where it's like you're not you don't have to carry the whole world here, and we have expectations yeah. to win. We need you to do this. And if Dame, if everything Dame has told us about Dame is true. Then like probably also has to just like back that up by doing this on defense. And you've already heard Giannis kinda talking about it.
1: He's getting getting asked and it's not a dame specific question, but he'll kind of say it we need everybody to be committed on both ends of the floor, it's gonna be uncomfortable, all these different things, and it's like, Well everyone else on the roster's already played with you, brother, so we kinda know who that's, you know talking about and talk- I don't even think he's- it's
0: negative. He's just helping Marshawn Mar- Beauchamp really gear up for, for some minutes, you know. He's like, all right, Robin, we haven't been here before, but here's how
1: we do things in, in the MIL. Uh, no, I, I, uh, the last point I'll make is on both ends, speaking of Robin Lopez uh, and then pivoting very quickly to his brother, who is actually the point of what I'm saying, far and away the best center. That Damian Lillard has ever played with. And I don't think that's oh, yeah. getting a lot of attention. His centers prior to this were Robin Lopez uh, early on in his Portland tenure and then Yusuf Nurkic. Neither of those guys are, are solid to good two-way NBA centers, even at their peaks. Brooke Lopez is one. Obviously, Giannis, when he plays center, is maybe the most devastating center option that anyone in the league has on both ends of the floor and even like bobby portis is a is a good option there so i think that's going to help him in terms of playing defense in a different way having that trust on the back line and also just having more consistent like downhill threats and five out options and post up options and stuff as an offensive player so uh that's that's going to help him too it'll be a different type of season for dame but i mean is that the biggest story in the league the first month is how does dame adjust and how does that team look i think it might be I,
0: I think it is, just because the trade just happened and all of that stuff. I think it's absolutely there. Uh, I think that brings us to Brendan. Most we will be talking about at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I just went Marshawn Bochamp because I just think that's the young guy option on this team. And I don't know if he's going to be good, but I think they're going to need mm-hmm. to give him a chance to do it. He scored a bunch of points in a Pro-Am. Let's see where this gets him let's see if he can he can he can be someone for this team and if he pops it'll be a big deal for them to give them another another body and I think they absolutely just they just need bodies they need bodies who have pulses yeah I think
1: people you know who've found our show before know that I'm uh, had been a believer I went and did some digging because it just doesn't seem like he's necessarily gonna be in this rotation and it seems like Milwaukee bloggers and Twitter people seem to agree with that. So I hope he can get there. I think the talent's there. I I don't think you're exactly like confident of that either. There there aren't a lot of options. So I just, I, I have two quick ones we can hit on different ends of the spectrum. One is Andre Jackson who is the their rookie this year, won a championship mm-hmm. with UConn. And he just looks incredibly comfortable already. He's already 21. He's 6'6". He can switch. He's a good ball mover, cutter. He can kind of be in the dunker spot. He sort of plays like these this generation of non-shooting small guys that we've already seen in the NBA, whether that's Bruce Brown before he just decided he could shoot last year to... Gary Payton II to like Josh Okogie in my neck of the woods or even Isaac Okoro. The ways that we've seen those guys try to be used feels like Andre Jackson is already comfortable with that offensively because he can't shoot a lick, and we know that. He shot 20% from three in the preseason. It's a question if he'll ever, ever be able to make enough threes to be an adequate offensive player. But if he can learn that other stuff, fit into what they want to do defensively, Especially provide the point of attack defense that we were just talking about. Somebody like, you know, uh, Middleton or whoever needing to do. I think if Jackson can plug in and do that, that'll help him a lot. So he just seems like you know it's probably five to ten minutes a game early on, but maybe it's twenty by the end of the season, and he gives them something that they don't have elsewhere. The other one that I had was Jay Crowder. I just think Mike Budenholzer hated him for some reason. He's not that old. I don't think he's cooked he'll probably just make an impact and I don't think anybody necessarily even like realizes he's still on this team as we just talked about he's already playing like a pretty significant role in the preseason so to me he's like maybe not their sixth man but he's certainly in this rotation and they need him to be good
0: yeah I thought about Jake Crowder I just think we kind of know what Jake Crowder is and I just was like can we project a little bit forward here and someone pop Andrew Jackson's a good shot though they don't exactly have a lot of
1: blue chippers no. here. In, uh, no, in compared to the other but team, we're that's gonna what talk... happens when
0: you go all in. Well, then, and they're compared to the other team we're going to talk about, who just like is making a whole brand identity about like having guys to support Jokic. Well, there, there's like eight guys you could pick over there to some degree. Uh, best lineup.
1: What's yours, Brendan? So last year it was Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, Grayson Allen, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Brooke Lopez couple guys not on that team anymore three of them yeah uh and obviously their previous second best player chris middleton was hurt all of last year so he did not make an appearance in that lineup either so a lot of change what i had is the starting lineup as it's currently projected lillard conaton middleton Giannis, lopez I think that gives you the size that they've always tried to have on the court at all times. Obviously, Damian Lillard has to be there. I believe Middleton will bounce back and at least be a good player, a positive player. And I just think Connaughton is the most trustworthy of all of the fifth guy options on this team. He's been there a while. He's a sound defender. He makes his threes. Knows what he's doing. So I didn't get cute with Giannis at the five. I didn't get you know crazy with some some unexpected option at the at the two spot. I just went starting
0: lineup. No, I agree it's it's that it's that is chalk. It's it's those five. I think every lineup with Dame and Giannis on the floor is probably going to be pretty darn good would be it would be my hunch. But mm-hmm. I think the starters give you the blend it's a it's pretty big aside from Dame it gives you the positional and defensive schematic strengths of having Brook next to Giannis. It's got just enough shooting, I think, particularly with Dame. And if Brook can have a decent enough year from three, you're in a good spot there. So I I think it's absolutely that starting five. Uh, I think that what other what levers they can pull to find like their second, third, fourth best lineups, is going to be a really interesting development? But I I don't think that there's no doubt to me that that top five, that starting lineup is not going to be really good. So along those lines, uh, I want to just
1: put a stat out there as we're thinking about lineups. The the defense was six points worse per hundred possessions with Drew off last year. So even though we trust the Giannis Brook back line, they are gonna take a hit and they are going to constantly be tinkering with what else they can put out there to be serviceable and good enough, passable on defense. So my favorite Giannis at center lineup I think is Lillard Middleton Crowder Portis Giannis you put enough help defense and size out there that even though Lillard is gonna be a little porous up at the top, you still have long physical guys in Middleton, Crowder, and Portis to clog the paint take away driving lanes and everything else and then you still have Giannis as, as the rim protector. I think we could see that lineup pop as long as Crowder is is good this year. I think that five person with, with Middleton as a huge two uh, could be pretty cool too. So
0: that would be my pick for kind of the, the non-Brook Lopez lineup. I also want to see uh, this includes Brook Lopez but I do want to see this year's version of like the. I do want to see them at some point just try like Lillard, Connaughton and then like Portis, Lopez and Giannis. I just want to see it. I don't know what it looks like. I just want to see how funky it could be. With like Giannis at the three, basically. Yeah. And just yeah. play some zone and like get weird. I think they're going to try a lot of shit because they, they have incentive to, I mean, they have, they have yeah. like Boston, obviously is trying, trying things to an extreme degree, right? Like there's all these teams that are going to be going for stuff and trying to make stuff happen and like have to figure stuff out on the fly. And they're, they're adjusting what they are. The Bucks are right at the top of that. Like I like because they changed out a core piece for something like the opposite of that core piece. I and mean, I think that puts them in a position where experimentation makes all the sense in the world. It's going to make for an
1: awesome regular season, I think, across the league. You know, not to get sidetracked, but so many teams are basically using this regular season as an experiment. I think it's going to be every night. Whenever one of the best teams plays, you're going to be tuning in to see what are they doing tonight? How are they answering this? How are they solving this problem? And that Bucks are probably at the top of that list. But uh, best case, I have a championship.
0: Yeah, I, the, we don't need to say more. To a championship. <laughs> mm-hmm. Worst are case is favorite? the int- I think I go Denver, but I think they're my number two.
1: It's funny how we all got ourselves worked up all offseason. And then
0: we're all just like, yeah, probably the Nuggets who like are just running it back and like have are like well run um my worst case Brendan to me is like is like eastern Conference finals like i think this team is like i can't there's very few outcomes where they don't at least get to like the eastern Conference finals yeah me. i mean the the
1: the version of events we talked about maybe i don't know how it came up but with them facing I think in the Cavs preview if Boston and Milwaukee were to end up facing each other in the second round again like they did in 2022 that's a situation where maybe you know if the regular season is a little harder on Milwaukee than expected that could be a problem and I think that's another reason why we'll see this team really push and really go for it with guys playing and trying different things and, and everything else. But I had it a little less specific. I just put Middleton never gets right. The defense takes a hit. Adrian Griffin struggles as a rookie head coach, and the team just isn't ready to win a title in year one of kind of this new
0: formation. Do you have any thoughts on the Terry Stotts thing, by the way? I just think it's weird. I ultimately don't think it's going to matter that much. It just seems very weird. And I don't, I like, I, I guess I just don't understand what, I guess just did Terry Stotts, like, want to be treated as like a co-head coach? I don't know. I was kind of surprised like I, he even took that job. He's been out of coaching for like two years. So, so that that's, pro- that's probably like part of the, the friction there is just like, but I just, it just, the whole thing just seemed like you got to just like, like maybe there's just like more, there probably is more, but it just seemed weird and like kind of like needlessly like combative between those two guys.
1: Yeah. I, the only part of it that intrigues me past this week when we all forget about it is dame posted like a picture of the two of them on his instagram story and kind of spoke to the fact that Stotts called him directly when he made the decision and that he was caught off guard by it and whatever and that was going to be a probably pretty important part of making lillard feel comfortable Mm-hmm. even just personally so without that yeah. I'm not saying I don't think Damian Lillard is enough of an adult to just move forward but it might not be as smooth and that that could matter um, all right the number is 40
0: 54 and a half for the Bucks what do you got over or under uh, I'm going over I think they have incentive to chase the regular season I think this team's gonna be just freaking gangbusters awesome um, so I'm, I would go the over
1: so they were statistically a 52-win team last year. No Middleton, pretty much, and obviously no Dame.
0: The East is also going to be bad outside of the there, top. There's a there's a lot of just, like, gobble-em-up wins on their schedule, you yeah. know? There's no
1: good Sixers team probably this year, you know, We're not sure about if the Knicks can keep it up. The Cavs are probably going to be right there. But let's say that there's two and a half good teams in the East or two and a half great teams in the East between Boston, Milwaukee, and
0: Cleveland. I think there's, like, two great teams. I think there's a lot. The, the Cavs have to prove it. You got We can't give them even half credit. You can't lose in the playoffs, then, like, add Max. Well, I'm Strucci talking about the regular season
1: like, wins. I'm talking about the standings. Okay, I'm saying I think they're a cut above, like, the Knicks or the Hawks or the okay. Heat in terms of the regular season. But then after sure, that, okay. there's a drop-off, and you have a bunch of, like, low to mid-40s teams. So I think, like we saw last year, when both Boston and Milwaukee gobbled up wins i think we'll just see that again especially because they're both better i think this year so yeah i, I had the over it's kind of crazy to say over on 54 and a half that's just a huge number but i'm gonna roll
0: with it yeah i i just don't expect that this team isn't going to be great like there's just like barring injury i just am just like give me all of the bucks smoke i want all of it i just want i don't think it's even the right phrasing but i just want everything related to this stock i think you meant to stock. say stock yeah yeah i mean just i'm in just smoke in is like bucks. you want Giannis to punch you in the face and i
1: don't think you want to ask for that chris uh i don't want that i don't yeah. i also don't want bobby portis to punch me in the face yeah that's better that's that's probably even throw, that, that's probably throw the scariest punch from the bucks i think crowder that's, crowder's on the no, on the list there no. Bobby Portis broke a dude's face.
0: Yeah, that doesn't mean Jay Crowder couldn't. He just has not chosen no, but, to. But Bobby Portis actually like broke Nikola Mirotic's face, and now Nikola Mirotic like, plays in Europe because he just like had a bad NBA time in the NBA. Yeah. No, I don't want to be right. punched by Bobby Portis.
1: I'm just saying there's that's a personality trait of the willingness to throw the punch. The strength of how hard the punch comes could be matched by other players. You know what I mean. So I, I don't know. I, I, I probably nobody on the Bucks. I don't want to get punched in general. I'm a, I'm a baby. All right, let's move on. Terry to Denver, Stotts is who I would pick if we're anybody on the Milwaukee staff or anything this year. I would Terry Stotts is who I want to try to punch me because
0: he's a seems like a kind grandfatherly man. He's well, also he's not, gone. He's no longer. He's also gone, so you can't really pick him anymore, Brendan. Tough look for you. Um, maybe Pat Connaughton. Well, no, he's a baseball pitcher, so I don't know. All right, uh, let's move on to the Denver Nuggets. You're reigning, defending, undisputed NBA champions, Brendan. Most important player. Um, can I give here? I, I'm going to give a troll answer for this because I, I think there's like just a very simple answer for this it's Nikola Jokic because A he's great and B I just want to see when he actually gives a shit because I just think the first month might just be like Jokic fucking around a little bit and like thinking months. about his horses yeah I don't know if we're this getting guy, a month out of this him. guy yeah. I, mean, I just I mean like I mean of him fucking around I don't mean like him no, being, I, I, just, I, th- no I know I, I, I'm saying I think it might be like six months post trade deadline Maybe. <laughs> March. When does horse season end in, in Serbia? Like, I don't know. I, we need to, like, really get a breakdown of this. You're, I, Jokic is obviously the bellwether of this team uh, in so many ways. He's the structure of this entire team. So my troll answer to this, because I think, and it the real answer is probably, like, Jamal Murray or, like, Michael Porter Jr. or something. But, like, my troll answer that is probably, like, somewhat grounded in reality is... Nicole Jokic and it, when he like actually locks in
1: and is in shape? Well, of course he's the most important player on the team, right? I, I think that is the answer because this team is what are, what are the Nuggets without Jokic? Like a if lottery, in, a, lottery. Like, a lottery
0: team they're a lottery no. team that
1: you're gonna yeah. I feel like you think you're talking uh, like you're gonna get Nuggets fans on your side with that and I think that's actually disrespectful to the rest of the team
0: Okay, no, like, okay, a playing team. Like, if you put a league average center in for Jokic, and you have to rebuild the whole entire. system? Yeah, let's say it's like Ivica Zubots is their center. They're like a playing. They're a playing team. The whole system is also different. They can't play this way with well, anybody yeah. else. Like Jokic, Jokic amplifies everything, to where like I think if you removed him or you get a lesser version of him, it just the product isn't going to be as good. Like Jamal Murray you- wouldn't be as good without. Nicole Jokic like that partnership has benefited Murray in a really good way and and he should get credit for playing into that because other there's other guards who wouldn't have wanted to play like Murray has played
1: do you buy that Jokic is at the point in his career because we're going to talk about the guy we'll be talking about at the end of the season next I imagine we'll have some list of young players that they're going to rely on to take a step forward Do you buy that Jokic is at the point in his career where he is now like Steve Nash or LeBron James that you really can just plug those types in and they'll just be good because they get to play with that guy?
0: Yes. He's there. He's been there. But like last year was like, let's just officially just mark this as such.
1: You have nothing to say about the best player in the NBA, Chris. You you get a softball to say the most important player on the defending champions, and you are like, "Yeah, the horses."
0: Okay, but the horses thing because every clip I've seen, you could sing the his praises, you could talk okay. about all the great things he's going to do. Okay, let's take this back to a place of Calvin Booth, who gave this interview that he like then said then that got mad about things he said. Whatever. Mm-hmm. The thing that he I think has crystallized correctly with the player that he has that I don't think would be possible with Joel Embiid. It's not always been possible with LeBron. Frankly, it's not possible with KD in the way that I think we're talking about here. It's not possible with lots of really great players that we've seen in the history of the league. I believe in Nikola Jokic so much in his the way he wants to play and what he actually cares about that you can find you have to find the right guys. Pick a young guy, but it was Christian Brown last year, or it's bringing in KCP, or it's giving Michael Porter Jr. like a pretty clear definitive role that I think has been good for him. And I I think aiding Jamal Murray, this is someone whose whole goal in basketball is not to score the most points. It is not to make all this other stuff just happen. It is about amplifying everything else around you and amplifying what your team is and amplifying every single other person's strengths on the court. It also fits in well with this era of basketball where you want shooting, you want movement, you want spacing, Jokic makes this all insanely possible in a way that like I don't there's very few players ever that have ever gotten to like this, particularly from that position. And for them, I believe he's at that Nash LeBron kind of thing because they're going to they're going to bank on young guys that we haven't seen prove a lot. They did it last year. They're going to do it again to come in and just be competent and be quality NBA players. And that's because of Jokic. If they if again, the Sixers aren't trying to do this. They aren't like getting like a couple like rookies and prioritizing future first to draft young guys they think are going to fit. They're not, you know, doing things with finding the right veterans and sliding them in. They're like going star hunting. The Nuggets are like f that. Yes, it's also a marketing probably, but they're saying we have Jokic. Jokic makes the world go around. Jokic makes all of this possible. He is he is one of one in the league right now in terms of being able to build a roster this way. And it's it's like having Patrick Mahomes frankly mm-hmm. like that's a better the, comp. The, the 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 nuggets like wings and role players are the nba version of like the chiefs wide receiver room matt more if, if you f- happen to listen to this you i tell me if that's insane or not because that man is a psycho chief and that's chief i don't want to say psycho and in and, and covers the nuggets so, like i i feel like matt if anyone can tell me if that's valid or not it's Matt Moore. Uh, don't think Matt listens to our podcast,
1: but you know, would love if he did. I think, um, yeah. <laughs> I think Denver fans. I was going to say Matt is a good example, but he's he's unique. Most Denver fans would probably be like, "Get that man's name out of your fucking mouth." Don't say, don't say Jokic and Mahomes in the same sentence as he clobbers the Broncos each and every year. But yeah, uh, I think that was. That was the poetry that Nicole Jokic deserves, Chris. Um, I know that he tries his hardest to make us not be poetic about him by pretending to not care about basketball or or anything, but um, we can go quickly to my other one. I I just want to say, to add to your point on Jokic, to me, what kind of helped me see it or prove it is the way that KCP integrated into that team last year, because it's not just that he helped them win played well, became a stalwart that they're probably going to keep for years and years to come, it's that all these little tricks and intricacies of their two men game together and their relationship on the court just clicked into place out of nowhere. It's not just that like KCP got a bunch of spot up threes. It's that all of a sudden he's coming off of dribble handoffs with Jokic. He's cutting, he's pinging the ball to the right place. And that type of like infectiousness that playing with Jokic brings you. And KCP is a good player proven in a bunch of different settings, high usage in Detroit, lower usage champion in LA, and then out to Denver and adjusted once again. It's not against him. It's just, if Jokic can do it with that guy in one year, then I think that if I'm Calvin Booth, that's what gives me the confidence to just say, yeah, come one, come all. Jokic will make you 15% better. I had Jamal Murray and we can just go through him quickly. I just think this might finally kind of be the regular season for him where it really hits. All-star, all-star season incoming, I think is very possible. Well, we're uh, I I didn't want to go there cuz we're doing a unlikely but possible prediction thing with our uh guest next Monday. That may or may not be on my list for that, but uh I have 47 four, or he had 474093 40, shooting splits in the playoffs last year. 7.1 assists per game, which is almost a full assist more than he had in the regular season. And just look, I mean, had some of the most incredible individual postseason moments of anybody who played last year. He had a 40-point game, a multiple stretches of 30-plus consecutively, and just felt like late in games, he was absolutely on par with any of the guys that they were going up against to just create an incredibly difficult one-on-one bucket. And... I think like he's 15th on the ringers top 100 list maybe that kind of tone is starting to change now that he's done it at the highest levels and all the stuff we say guys have to do um, but I think this is the regular season where that kind of finally starts to click into place who do you have for the guy we're gonna be talking about at the end of the season
0: I went with the guy that is I think from my reading of Denver media and and our friend at Amarez and other people in, in that space that the name that has come up I feel like more than anybody else is Julian Strawweather who's just a rookie for them but they're talking about him like he's like a third-year pro mm-hmm. and like I think he's gonna play and I think like someone from the him and the Hunter Tyson group is gonna really pop and I think Strawweather comes from Gonzaga he's a really good shooter I think this is someone who is going to get real minutes for them and be just like a, hey, you know how like they just like got Christian Brown and like he really worked for us and can play big minutes for us? I think Strawweather has the best chance of Hunter Tyson and those guys to be that guy for them this year. And there's just always going to be need for a guy who can shoot it like this and who can acclimate really quickly to what you're going to do. And the Nuggets have proven, I think, that they're willing to trust young guys, even if it's 15, 20 minutes a game they are willing to give young guys admittedly a guy who is a little bit older coming into the league the chance and i think that is so give them the chance just... although i do think
1: it'll be an interesting year because mike malone is pretty prickly like i think nuggets people yes. were pretty surprised when christian brown became part of the playoff rotation but, but this like, year they kind of have was... to do
0: it Right, but to, and to Calvin Boo's credit, what they've do with the roster is kind of some. It's what I. It's why I think it's good not to have your coaches making personnel decisions because you can take some of these decisions out of your coach's hands by just giving him, hey, this is your fifteen, this is your 14, yeah. 15 guys. You gotta just gotta like play the young guys because that's what we're gonna give you. And I think Strawweather of the ones just feels like a a good like he feels like a long term like KCP replacement in some ways. Sure. And he feels just like a guy who's going to light it up from three and fit really well with Jokic. So that's my answer. I think you got another E in there. I think it's just Strother. Strother? I think you're correct. I think I just am bad at reading, apparently, on a Sunday. I've never heard it said, but... It is. Strother. I want to do, do our I'm, man I'm, justice. I put and, an extra uh, E in my notes. With, I put an extra E in my notes, and I'm looking at the headline from the athletic and the spokesman review and all that stuff. So yeah, it's it's Julian Strother I apologize to the the
1: case for him being the KCP replacement is a good is a good call. I think I kind of just want to list off his point totals since summer league into the preseason. Fifteen points seven points and then to close out preseason he had 21 23 and and 25 all with three or more made threes and six or more free throw attempts then we get to preseason 20 or more points in two of four games and the other ones he had 16 and 12 again made two or more threes in each of those games and got to the line pretty consistently like i don't know what his defensive upside will be but Obviously, the fact that he's 6'6 and experienced makes you feel good that he can at least survive defensively in what will probably be a pretty pretty small role, all things considered, because we're looking at Christian Brown ahead of him. I think Reggie Jackson will play. They just extended Zeke Nagy today, who we didn't talk about, but obviously that's a center who will, who will get some minutes. Um, I think if all you're asking him to do is not kill your defense and make open shots and be aggressive, I think they found their guy. Coming out of Summer League, I actually thought it might be Hunter Tyson because it just felt like with the Vlako Chanchar injury, the loss of... um, Bruce Brown, it just seemed like kind of size and physicality was more of what they were going to need. But I think you just roll with who's playing well and you make it work. And they obviously have other options for size, including Gordon and Porter Jr. and everything. So I think this is the guy. I think he'll be the one who slots
0: in and we'll see what happens. It also might just be Tyson. It's like it just could be Tyson. Sure. I think the beauty of this is that it's like the I mean, they, Brandon, the answer could just be Christian Brown is like much better in year two. Like, that could just be good Yeah, the but answer. they need bodies. Like, they need rotation yes. players, yes. you know? Yes. I mean, there's not even, like, Jeff Green they can turn to this year, which would be another mm-hmm. case that there's just there's just room here because he went and got the bag from the Houston Rockets.
1: The other one Who's I would throw answer? out just because... Well, mine was Strother. But the other okay. one I would throw out because I think it's another possibility and he's not a rookie is Peyton Watson. Yeah. Unfortunately, his preseason has not gone great at, at least in terms of shot making and that's if they can make it work where he can just impact the game defensively And they can spoon feed him and make life easy for him offensively so be it he's another guy like to your point with hunter tyson i could easily he he will probably play at various points throughout the year but if you're talking about who who gets that christian brown spot this year and suddenly is making an impact in the postseason for the Nuggets as they try to chase a title and earn Mike Malone's trust and all that. I, I, w- I wish I felt better about Peyton Watson, but I just don't think I can fully sit here and make the case that that's gonna happen. We'll just have to uh, kind of monitor it throughout the season, but it's it's cool. I like, I like, to your Patrick Mahomes comp, I like those seasons for quarterbacks in football, and I like it in basketball where it's just, hey, we're great and we're just gonna see what else we can kind of tweeze out of this and every time you turn on a Nuggets game this year it'll just be oh this one popped today or wow this guy's had like a great month awesome you know and then by April it's like all right which of them's in the eight and then it'll be kind of cool to see how they just kind of make it work because I don't think it's going to be Reggie Jackson Justin Holiday, you know DeAndre Jordan like the vets are there but it's going to be the young guys who power they're them there. to wherever they're going they're-
0: they're there to give you like a body in case the young guys just don't work
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that's that like and i i think zeke nagy could be an answer here but we'll we'll see if that actually pops it's kind of been waiting for it and when you back up the best player it's kind of hard to yeah but it's just yeah but you never know all right uh let's go to best lineup brendan what was last year's best lineup and what are you thinking for this year
1: I didn't look up last year's best lineup because I kind of figured I knew what last year's best lineup was. And I also think you kind of have to be crazy to think it's going to be anything different this year. It's going to be the starters. It's going to be the guys who played a shit ton of minutes last year who were on the court for nearly all of every game in the playoffs and are, as far as I can tell until proven otherwise, unstoppable, which is Jamal Murray, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Nicole Jokic. Yep. I mean, is is there is there a case for anything else? No, that's the five.
0: We can just give some stats about that lineup because it's pretty I'm, filthy. I'm trying to the I'm trying to pull up Clean of the glasses, and I'm I'm having some issues right now. Unfortunately, you having the year the year
1: switch load problem. Yeah, but then I'm like, yeah, they got to get like, that together. Like, you switch. It's, it's they're like, they're on yeah. the the season that hasn't. Started is the default. You switch to the new last year, and it's impossible to uh, to get it to pull up. But maybe it's a good opportunity with the lineup thing to just talk about. I mean, so that lineup was plus twelve point seven per hundred possessions in fifteen hundred possessions last year. Uh, They had a one twenty five offensive rating. I can't see offensive rating. rating. It was one
0: twelve. The offensive rating is just it. That's that's ridiculous. Like that that is like a base level lineup and not just like a one off kind of thing that really pops. Considering the league average offense is one hundred seven point seven per hundred last year, and the best offense in the league last year was one seventeen point one. That was Boston's overall offensive net rating. Denver, by comparison, was one twelve point. The fact that their starters are scoring at that clip at that volume, that's
1: outrageous. Denver's offense also, just while we're on the topic, got better from the regular season to the playoffs, got more efficient, got better in the half court, all those things that never happened, that shouldn't be possible. The Nuggets were like, no, actually it is for us. I was just gonna shout out while we're talking about the lineup, like the one guy we haven't necessarily hit on who could take a step forward, which is Michael Porter Jr. I think if the health continues to trend in the right direction, that guy is not a finished product. And if we're talking about him standing out in bench lineups more, him maybe taking some of the load even more off of Jokic as a scorer or getting to the basket and free throw line more and more as he feels better physically, all these things that I think are still untapped for him. And he's a much better defensive player than I think reputation would would tell you so yes. we i think most basketball fans know that by now but maybe they don't and i think he'll even take another leap this year so he's probably the guy to hit but it's just hard for me to who are you taking out to say that somebody else would make the lineup better i don't think i don't think that's yeah. gonna happen so just it's on that
0: and it, this is uh this is a, this is not abnormal in terms of Jokic off but uh porter on no Jokic. 831 possessions in total. Biggest one was 59, so not a ton of continuity there. Outscored on average by 7.5 per 100. Scored 111.3 per 100. Defensive rating of 118.8.
1: And there's Very a big debate, in, I think, among Nuggets people right now as far as like, do you try to stagger Murray and Jokic more in order to make up for the youth in some of the backup reserve lineups or do you keep them tied together and just hope you win those minutes by a lot and the other stuff can figure itself out and I think MPJ being a rising tide for some of those lineups at least as a scorer and creator would go a long way to maybe you don't have to mess so much with what's worked in the past just to make those young guys feel comfortable so uh, it matters kind of big picture for them too if he does continue to take a step forward. Best case back-to-back NBA champions
0: yep back to back that's it it's 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 there for them um I if you had asked me to pick today I guess I said this before it's either them or Milwaukee for me as of right now this who I who I would go with um if you were me
1: prediction and yeah. the Nuggets were in your conference how upset would that make you
0: I, I I imagine it. it I'm, the Suns are not exactly this analogy I'm gonna make, but I pro- it's probably similar to how like Hawks fans felt when um, the, like LeBron was just in their conference for like five years, and it's like we got we everyone gets named like we get named Eastern Conference, we all get named All Stars, and like our starting five with Damari Carroll is the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and then the Cavs just show up in the playoffs and are like. Okay, you're cooked now. This is over. Like we run this shit, and it just happens, and it's, it's not quite that because the gap isn't as big. But it's got to be annoying, right? You know, doesn't feel great. Yeah, so. like I'm mean, like if you're like Matt Ishby is probably like up at night thinking like just frustrated about it. You know, I'm sure Frank Vogel's like whole like mode the next nine months is going to be like how do I build the defense with this group to defend Nicole Jokic well enough. They're definitely forcing me to,
1: it's like, as I get ready to do predictions for locked on Suns and whatnot, it's like, make my audience happy. Be honest about how good the nuggets are. I went through it already in the second round last year where i was like i want to give the sun some credit i don't want my audience to think i'm just a hater but also i think the nuggets are going to win and it's uh it's not a fun place to be it's just it's just a grim reaper in my closet every single night when i go to bed i not the slim reaper though
0: which is still a great nickname i also would say this he's not in my closet he's around he's here yeah okay i don't know what i was doing there but i just went for something um the other thing i would say is that And i mean this endearingly to like not so local fans i just think also like local fans sometimes you're there's they're just so like in their own little bubble that you're never going to get to them no matter how positive or negative like how positive you are about the team they love like because local fans are always making the case why what could happen to
1: allow them to surpass a challenge it's not like they don't think the nuggets are good but it's like well but yeah. then the Suns could do x it's like yeah they could are they no because the nuggets are yeah insane. or they
0: or they like attached to like one guy it's like right now like i had a on the lockdown calves like comments we had a guy like saying that like imani bates is better than max Struess, and i'm just like what what are we doing here <laughs> exactly exactly like my just, guy uh, i'm like they lose their minds
1: eternal optimism by the way uh, i meant to say this off air but we're here might as well Cavs Uh-oh. preseason we got a uh Mitchell, Wade, Niang, Struess, Mobley lineup. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Hell yeah. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I loved it. That's it's good good stuff. that's some. That's some really good stuff. And I, the thing I love about it, to keep making quarterback comparisons, is it's giving Mitchell like easy reads. It's like it's like he's a play action quarterback who like design things so he knows where to go with the football. It's just he knows where to go with the basketball and he needs to take a pass. It's not mm-hmm. complicated
1: for him because everybody can shoot, and then you have one freak athlete in the middle. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was
0: uh, I was hyped about that when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 doing it's doing the Lord's work to tell Donovan Mitchell you're setting him up for success if you're trying to keep him in and whatnot if i'm being honest
1: it's smart see we have shooting we have all the stuff you could possibly want donovan And this young center who might get better uh all right over under for the nuggets he is 52 might, and a half might get better he might it's,
0: a, it's a he will. He, he will get better he will get better we didn't do worse oh, worst oh case. yeah he will his worst case oh. just like they lose in like the second round just like freakily. like losing i think the this is a conference finals, finals team. yeah i agree Unless Unless i think it's like it, yeah who would you say is the most likely to beat them in the West? The
1: Suns. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that the way that the Warriors and Lakers built themselves as defense first teams it stands a chance, personally.
0: I think if I if if there's ever the only case I would make for the Lakers is that if LeBron has one more like predator LeBron series in him, I Denver does not have an answer for that. I just they don't know swept if sweep them. I know. I but it's I I can never quit LeBron, is the thing. I just can't.
1: I think Aaron Gordon's a pretty good answer for LeBron. I I mean, you're not
0: ever going to stop him if he's at the apex level you're talking about, but. Yeah. And I I just don't know if he can get there. I don't think. I don't know if he can get there like the same way you really would need him to, to like make life hell for a team like that. Yeah. But over on, yeah. I'll take.
1: I take I think it's the Suns just because you have to stop them enough. And I don't know if the Suns can do that. I don't right now. I don't think they can, but you have to stop them and make life hard enough on them. But then you have to keep up with them offensively. And so that's why I think the two East teams and the Suns are the kind of best opponents for what Denver does. Yeah. 52 and a half is obscenely low. It's, it's
0: just, feels b- like it's like, me. it's, it feels like whoever made that line and said it is very much just like watching the same videos I referenced earlier about Nicole Jokic, just thinking about his horses.
1: like it's the west is obviously better than the east so if we're comparing it to milwaukee or boston it's like i get that i don't expect the west to give as many wins to the top seeds but i just think there's a lot of outcomes where denver is a mid-50s team and not a lot where they're like a high 40s team so 52 and a half just feels as far as like a betting line very very low they also won 53 last year and didn't really care for the last month of the season and if the suns or warriors or lakers push them a little bit more and maybe the top of the west which i think is going to happen is a little sets itself apart and we don't have like a sacramento or a memphis like middling team breaking its way through this year then you're probably talking about like the top four having closer to 50 and the bottom of the west having you know more like 500 records and that helps denver so it's outside of injury again i i don't see really the case for
0: the under here i agree uh Brenda, i've kind of answered this is do you have who are your like two if you had to without we're going to do again predictions next week we on the record but right now who are your like early favorite from each conference i said milwaukee and denver are you on the same page or you that's boston where i am denver?
1: yeah that's where i am the more i think about it i, I will talk about boston uh, on the next show pretty big experiment going on over there a lot to a lot to see click into place before I'm willing to say that it's them I just feel better about the structure of both Milwaukee and Denver the fact that they were able to well Denver didn't even really make any improvements but the fact that Milwaukee was able to make their improvement without changing kind of the the main structure of their team too too much and that Denver kept the structure and didn't really have to change anything like in a season that's going to be pretty experimental and weird that matters to me so that's why I have those two because the Suns are the same way I have no I, I have no idea
0: what the Suns are right now how could I pick them to win the championship sure all right we're gonna end there I'm Chris Manning that is Brendan clean back at you later this week with more season preview content. The train keeps rolling along as we close to the season. We are going to do Portland with our friend Eric Garcia Gunderson, Boston with Zayon, our TikTok Maestro. I'm giving him the title of Maestro and season predictions. So tune in later this week for that edition of the Just Basketball Show. That'll be in your feeds, I believe Wednesday. Wednesday. So, so after your first round of games, but before the big slew of them comes on Wednesday night. until then I'm Chris Manning that's Brendan clean thanks again to Dylan Heiser and Zan for their work on production. Peace out everybody. we'll talk to you next.